So I did some research this week, and I wanted to find out what are those things in life that are just better together? Some of those combinations that maybe you've experienced over time, that I've experienced over time, that when you have them together, there's just something magical about them, right? So, uh, so some of my favorites are chocolate and peanut butter. It changes how I do s'mores for the rest of my life. I will never do just Hershey's, uh-uh, not gonna happen. Um, Wi-Fi and coffee is a big, famous combination for me. Brady and Belichick. Too soon. Is it too soon for that one? Macaroni and cheese, that's a big one. Ben and, yeah, you are following with me. Chips and, <laughs> I'm always not sure if folks are going to say dip or salsa on that one, but, but, but we'll go with dip. Bacon and Romeo and Laverne and, that's old school, there, Mickey and Beauty and the, all right, I got I to gotta pause for just a second. There is this new show on Netflix and the combination that really sparked me, men, you may not have any idea what I'm getting ready to say, but ladies, I bet you will because my wife told me this one, Marie Kondo in a messy closet. You guys know what I'm talking about? All right, well, if you don't, you need to go watch Netflix today. It's gonna change your life, I'm telling you. Um, movies and popcorn, Batman and Robin, and Dumb and... Oh, my favorite. Um, so what you guys don't know, the irony of Dumb and Dumber is that's the movie I went and saw the day I got married. <laughs> and uh, I remember seeing that going, man, the irony, the thick irony of this, the fact that I saw that. Well, so we are finishing up a marriage series. Pastor Jonathan did an incredible job talking to us about what this means. <clears throat> but what I want to tell you is that marriage, your opinion of marriage is, is probably like your opinion of a restaurant that you've been through. Uh, been to. If you had a good experience at that restaurant, your opinion of marriage is really good. Uh, if you've not had a good experience with marriage, your opinion is probably not very good. And you know what? If I had been through what you've been through, I would probably feel the very same way. However, I feel like God has something very important to tell us today about marriage and how to make it great. And if you're not married, um, we're so glad that you're here because one day you might be. So take notes. And if you are married, what I'm gonna, um, uh, what, what I feel like God wants to teach us today, I think will take our relationships to a whole new level. So let me just say that. Now, how many of you, when you were a child, played this game right here? Anybody play that game? That was a fun game. That was a muscle game. I remember all my friends, we'd get together and we'd play this game and it was so much fun. But here's, it's, it's fun when you're seven. It's not fun when you're 37 playing tug of war with your spouse, right? And, and the things that we play tug of war over in our marriage relationship is schedules, priorities, money, agendas. I want to do this in our marriage. Well, I want to do that in our marriage. And we end up pulling for ourselves, right? We're pulling for ourselves, hoping we're going to pull our spouse across the center line and go, I won. Say so you're on my side, right? It's tug of war. Now, this week, Pastor Jonathan and I were talking about a lot of different things leading up to today. And one of the things that we were kicking around was, what are the reasons why people choose to function as two rather than one in marriage? What are the reasons why people choose to function as two 
rather than one, even after, even after they're married. So I just want to walk through these with you because I, I think some of these could relate to us. Number one, it is the path of least resistance. It is easier for me <clears throat> to just not do your thing. It, it's just easier for me if just to, I don't need to get on your page of music. It's just easier, right? And as human beings, we gravitate to the path of least resistance. It takes a lot of work to get on the same piece of music and operate, you know, with the same values and goals in our marriage. It takes a lot of work, a lot of conversation, a lot of communication. But we typically choose the path of least resistance. Second of all is we've never seen it work right. Like, do you know people who have a healthy marriage? And, and you're gun shy because you're like, I've never seen this work right. And I'm a little nervous, um, but I've never seen one. It's like, and I don't mind admitting, I've never seen an orangutan, right? I'm not really a zoo guy, but I've never seen an orangutan. Now, if I Google it, I know that they exist. <laughs> like, I know that they're out there in Southeast Asia and blah, blah, blah. But I've never seen one, but I know they exist somewhere that's kind of how we feel about marriage. We've just never seen it work right. Does anybody know one that's got one working? Let me know, right? <clears throat> Another reason is our fear of compromise. The reason that we remain two after marriage and not decide to really become one is I'm afraid, let's just be honest, I'm afraid that I'm not going to get what I want. And I'm afraid that I'm going to have to keep saying yes to you and you're going to keep saying no to me and I am scared. And so just to protect myself and my defensive posture, I'm just not going to compromise at all. Because I feel like if I keep saying yes and yes and yes and yes, my spouse is going to take advantage of me. And I would challenge you to think of it this way. When you help people get what they want in life, generally, you get what you want. So, but people fear compromise. People fear giving in. Another one, is indifference. Some of us are just indifferent. I don't care. What does that mean to be indifferent about your marriage? I don't know. It just kind of is what it is. Remember when John Fox said that for the Carolina Panthers? John, how's the team doing? Oh, we're not playing so good. Well, what's the reason for that? Just is what it is. <laughs> like what? You know, what does that mean? When people talk to us about our marriage relationships, we go, that's just kind of is what it is. What this means is we're indifferent. And here's what I know, y'all. Here's what I know. You can't make a difference if you're indifferent about anything in life. You can't make a difference if you're indifferent, especially in your marriage. The next one is perspective. Some of us just have the wrong perspective and we're playing to lose. One of the things that I learned as a Clemson basketball fan at a young age, every time they played Duke in Carolina, is that how come we stink so bad? And like, how come they win all the time? And I would even remember games when we'd be up, like very seldomly, but like we'd be up by like 10 points with two minutes left. And inevitably, Duke or Carolina would come back and win the game. And I'm going, what's the difference? What's the difference? Winning teams play with, we know we're going to win. We just know we're going to win. And losing teams play with, I don't think we can win. Let's, let's, let's try our best. But sometimes you end up playing to lose. 
Some of us, our perspective is resentment. Some of it's anger. I, I can't even fathom to know what some of the challenges that maybe some of your marriages are experiencing, and I certainly don't want to make light of that. But sometimes our perspective needs to be changed because here's what I know. How you view things is how you do things. And if we have the right perspective, we can make a difference in our relationship. And finally, I would say the reason that people remain two instead of one is sometimes it is just easier to clean my side of the room. Isn't that right? I love my pop and granny. They went on to be with the Lord years ago. But one of the things I loved about going to their house when I was a kid, loved going to pop and granny's house. And I would, we'd pull up in their driveway and my granny, she had planted mint uh, plants all up and down the driveway. And we'd pull in and we just, I knew I was at granny's house because I just smell it and she put it in her tea and we would drink it. Oh, it was awesome. But we go inside and Pop and Granny always, there were two things I loved most about their house. They had a, they had a drawer that was full of juicy fruit gum. And I loved it because all of me and my cousins and my siblings, the first thing we would do when we get to Pop and Granny's house, we'd give them a hug, we'd go straight to the drawer where all the bubble gum was. And we would shove so much gum in our mouth we could not talk and our cheeks were like stuffed out here. It was so much fun. But the second thing I loved doing was I loved going in Pop and Granny's bedroom, not when they were in there, but I would go in their bedroom and, and, I, and I noticed in Pop and Granny's bedroom, they had two twin beds. They were about two and a half feet apart from each other. And I would jump from one bed to the other and my papa would come back and why are the beds a wreck and all this stuff? But I had so much fun. We'd hear him, we'd hear him coming back there. We'd hide and act like we weren't there. And then he'd leave and, and then we'd start jumping again on the bed. But I'll never forget going, Pop and Granny are married, but their beds are three feet apart. Like I had never, never experienced, I'm sure it's a generational thing, but sometimes it's just easier to clean my side of the room. Here's, here's, here's why I want you to listen. And if you don't understand this principle that I'm getting ready to tell you, it could be jeopardizing your, your current relationship that you're in. <clears throat> Before marriage, opposites attract. There's going to be things about this person that you're attracted to that's, that's opposite from you. They may handle things differently. Than, you may be wired up. They may be more mellow. You know, there's going to be opposites. We're drawn to opposites, and we're attracted to opposites. There's a reason why it's a phrase, right? But after marriage, opposites attack. They attack each other. It's like everything you fell in love with, you want to change. <laughs> That's just happening, right? Isn't it funny how, how you can be dating? You can be dating, you can be engaged, and you never hear how loud they chew. <laughs> Six minutes after marriage, you're like, who did I marry? There's a horse in the room. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do, Krisha hates this, is I like to eat popcorn out of the bag on the couch while I'm watching television. She can't stand that. She's like, baby, I love you, but if you bring that in there, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> but after marriage, opposites attack. And so I think God has some words to say to us about how to grow through in our relationship of how to make progress. Now, Solomon, got him Solomon, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. There's uh, four wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. And Solomon wrote this book. He was king of Israel about 970 years before Jesus came onto the planet. 
So he was king at that time. He was the smartest man in the world, you know, next to Jesus, of course, but he was the smartest person in the world. And he wrote the the book of Ecclesiastes. And here's what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about. It's Solomon saying, I tried everything underneath the sun to make me happy. I tried every pursuit. I tried every guilty pleasure. I tried everything, everything a man can do to try to find, you know, to to, uh, meet his appetites. And he says, the best thing I can come up with is at the end of your life, just honor God. Just honor God. I've done everything. I, he had like 700 wives. He had all this money. He had all, I, and, and he gets to the end of his life. He goes, gosh, I had it all. But the best advice I could give to you is just honor God with your life. It's a much better, simpler way to live, right? So he, he gives us some, uh, some strong words that I think will challenge us. And he says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. What I want to enhance about this verse right here that Solomon is teaching us is one of the biggest things that should be true in your marriage is that you support each other. That you support each other. Because here's why. One of you is going to lose a job. One of you is going to lose a parent. One of you is going to lose a friend. One of you is going to be critiqued and criticized and one of you is just kind of, have a, you're going to have a hard year. You're going to have a hard, things happen in life. We're not, we don't escape those things. They happen to all of us. And one of the beautiful things that you add to your, to your spouse is this small word called empathy. And it's the ability to share and understand the feelings of another person. And you bring that to your spouse. And, 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 and here's what you do. If all of you can drive a car in the room, you, you can do this. All of you can do it, right? Because when you recognize that you need gas, what, what needle is low on your, on your dashboard? Gas needle, right? You'll pay attention to that gas needle. And, Man, it's looking a little bit low. I need to stop and get gas. You get gas back up to full, right? The gauge of your spouse is his or her face. And you need to watch his or her face. That will tell you how you're doing with supporting them. It will tell you how they're feeling. It will tell you what they need. And you need to start asking questions. How can I help? What do we need to talk about? What are some problems that we need to solve? And that's just one way you help each other. Krishna and I have this way of doing, I'm scared of a lot of things, but one thing I'm really scared of is worrying about things that I shouldn't worry about, worrying about things that are petty and small, and I don't want to be a small person, so I want to worry about big things if I'm going to spend my time worrying. So, so we have this running joke where when I'll get home from work, and it's been like a hard day, and we've been thinking about all kinds of stuff, trying to do whatever, <clears throat> and I'm kind of carrying something with me. You know what that's like to carry something home, and it's just on your mind, and, and I'll, I'll say to her, I said, babe, can I be the smallest person in the world for a minute? She said, absolutely. And I'll say, here's what's bothering me. Here's what happened today. Here's what was said. Here's how I responded. Should I be worrying about this? And she'll go, you know what? You, you need to let that go. You're bigger than that. You need to let that go. And, 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 and I do that for her. And that's just one way we support each other in this thing, whole thing of relationship. Our perspective helps each other. Second of all, Solomon says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? Here's what I think Solomon's saying to us. 
there is nothing like the physical presence of your spouse. The degree of comfort and warmth and affection, there is nothing like the physical relationship and affection of your spouse. And I'm gonna go even further to say, you are the solution to the physical needs of your spouse. If you're married, you're the solution. You are the solution. And here's what's interesting. The the, the, uh, science backs this up. And here's what science teaches us. The brain is incredible. And so you can go home and you can hug your spouse. You can hug them for 20 seconds. Here's what the science says. In 20 seconds, oxytocin is released in the brain. And oxytocin, when it's released in the brain and hits the bloodstream, it it, it brings with it these um, effects of trust and feelings of connectedness, and it lowers stress. It's amazing. It's amazing how God wired our bodies. So your challenge tonight is when you get home, you put your arms around each other and just look at your watch. (laughs) Are we 20? Uh, We're there, you know? It's, it's, It's amazing. But you are the solution to the physical needs of your spouse. Now, that means a lot of things for us. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with that? Here's what I see that happens a lot in married couples is they become invisible to each other. And they don't see each other anymore. It's not that they walk by each other every day. They have coffee together every day, but they don't see each other. And when you are in an affection relationship with your spouse, what that communicates is, I hear you and I see you. It's a game changer. So on a scale of one to 10, I want you to think about this. If you're married, I want you to think about this. How, what's our affection level as a couple on a scale of one to 10? How are we doing? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. It's about time church paid off. But I want you to think about that in your relationship. How are we doing? Are we missing each other? Are we invisible to each other? A lot of truth there. Third, Solomon says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. What I love about this passage that Solomon writes is, this is where protection comes in in your marriage. I wanna ask you a question. Are you a safe person to be married to? What does that mean? That, mean, that means in your marriage, and I, and I don't mean that you can't kid around, but I mean when you're around other people, it's a jab-free zone. You're not taking shots at them. Some of us are way more opinionated. Some of us are extroverts, and we just can't help ourselves to blurt out everything we're thinking about our spouse around whoever. That's not protecting the person that you're married to. One of the phrases that I just made up this week, just because I think it's true, is this right here. Being a fan publicly creates intimacy privately. When you're a fan of your spouse publicly, it creates intimacy privately. Because what happens is when we talk junk about our spouse to our parents, to our friends, to our children, what happens is when, when, when you finally end up getting back on the same page, everybody else has all these negative opinions now about the person that you're married to. And, and you can't, it's hard to change that. But what I've noticed is when I'm a fan publicly, it creates intimacy privately. 
And that's a good place to be. Now, I know some of you, and I want to be very delicate here. Some of you, your spouse is not safe. Or some of you know somebody, their spouse is not safe. And it's hard for them to communicate and talk. I want to challenge you as a pastor to get help and talk to somebody. Talk to somebody confidentially because you've got some things you need to work through. But I'm just telling you, a huge part of marriage is learning how to be a fan publicly and creates intimacy privately. Let, let me say this too. When you are dogging your spouse out in public to your friends, to your parents, and to anybody that will listen, it tells a lot about your selection ability. So be careful how much you say about them because you're really indicting yourself. So, so, so the, um, the, there's this uh, picture that I want to show you that I know it's, it's often cheesy and we show this when, whenever we're talking about marriage, but I think it's worth mentioning that when a husband and wife get married, <clears throat> when a man and uh, a woman get married, they become husband and wife. And here's the picture I think of reality and possibility. The reality that they experience initially is, okay, here's where we are, but where are we going to go? What do we value? What's important? What's going to guide our relationship? What's going to hold us together? And here's what I've learned about marriage, and I'll be married 24 years this March. So excited about that. here's, Here's what I've learned. The difference between reality and possibility is that the closer we grow to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, the closer we grow together. This changes from reality to possibility when Jesus gets involved. And so if you're wondering out there going, how does our relationship look like that? It begins when a husband and wife are honest and go, we need a direction for our our relationship. And we want Jesus to be the direction of that. And what he does is he makes it strong. Going to our next verse that Solomon said was three or even better. Now Solomon up to this point has been talking about two. Two are good for this, two are good for that, two are good for that. Now he says three are even better for a triple braided cord. Is not easy. Who is he talking about? He's not talking about you, your spouse, and your mother. He's talking about you, your spouse, and Jesus. And when those three are combined in a relationship, it forms a strong, it forms this, this strong rope. It's like a rope that cannot be ripped or torn. So here's what I want to challenge you with. And here's my big idea. You win when you play as a team. Now I know a lot of times we think, no, I'm going to lose if I play as a team. You know what people get when they play as a team? Rings. They win championships. Michael Jordan said, talent wins games. Teamwork and intelligence wins championships. When you play, when you win, when you play as a team, you know what happens in an NFL locker room when one player says, I'm more important than this team? Destroys the locker room. When 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 he puts his agenda over everybody else's in in that relationship, destroys the locker room. You know what happens in marriage when, when the husband says, I'm putting my agenda above our agenda. 
or when she says, I'm putting my agenda above our agenda. As you can see, it creates an issue and a problem. I want to brag on my wife. You're going to see her on the screen just in just a second. Her name is Cresha. And she is my best friend. And um, we complement each other so well. <clears throat> I am high maintenance and highly opinionated. And she is low maintenance. And she listens to my opinions with a lot of grace. But we have just such different perspectives of how we see things. So take a situation. Here's a situation. I'm over here. She's over here of the situation. And here's what I know about situations. And here's what I know about how we see them. People see the world from where they sit. No matter what kind of situation you got going on in your life, you only see it from your perspective. And you're either bowed up and angry about your perspective or you're relaxed because you see that from that way. But here's what she and I are able to do in our parenting and our, all that kind of stuff. We'll take a situation. She'll see it from this perspective. I'll see it from this perspective. And we can make a better decision because we see the same situation from different perspectives and we're able to make a better decision. It just works. It's just a beautiful thing. But you have to welcome that. What do you think? What do you think? It's that kind of stuff. So the, the, the action step that I want you to take, this is not hard. It's going to take some vulnerability and transparency. But the action step that I want you to take this week is I, is I want you to think about your teammate who you're married to or maybe who you're getting ready to get married to. And I want you to ask them this question. <clears throat> what is one thing I can do to be a better teammate? Okay. What is one thing I can do to be a better teammate? Now, when you ask the question, okay, for those question askers, let's just start with them first. When you ask the question, no matter what your spouse says, no matter what they say, you just say thank you. That's all you say. You just say thank you. You don't go, but I, I already, you never, no, 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 none of that. All you, all you do is you say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As a matter of fact, let's all practice that together. Thank you. Man, you guys say y'all are going to be great at this. All right. So if you are asked the question, if you are asked the question, <clears throat> I want you to say one thing and not pull out your PowerPoint presentation <laughs> to show your spouse, right? Oh, I've been working on this. He finally asked me the question that I've been waiting to, you know, that kind of, no, no, just one thing. And this is how it starts, y'all. It's just one thing here and there. And then you build that, then you go the next, then you build that and go the next. Christian and I had an experience that really taught me how to work together as a team. And she's been so graceful with me as a husband and helping me learn this. And we've put the work in <clears throat> over the last 24 years, but I'm telling you, Marriage is incredible. It is one of the coolest and best things in the world. <clears throat> but one way that I learned this was I, I was a pastor in Charlotte for years, and uh, for about eight years. And um, in that process, I was doing lots of weddings and uh, things like that, with some, some of the more formal parts of the, your job that you do. And I kept finding myself getting to these formal parties and and bands, and there was a lot of dancing, and, and, and Krishna and I didn't really, you know, partake just because I didn't know how to dance, and I didn't know how to do anything like that, and then she, she was at a season in her life where she was 
doing so well in her business and she was getting incentive trips at the end of the year and we would go to really cool places around the country and they would have these formal dances and 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 I just was kind of like over on the sidewall, right? I was just like a wallflower going, I feel terrible because I know she wants to dance. I don't know how to dance. Ladies, you need to understand something about men. We don't do it if we don't think we can be good at it, right? That's just the way that we think and it's horrible, but that's just the truth. So I got kind of to a point where I was like, I, I want to change this. And I want us to be able to have fun together when we go to these events and go to these places. So I found this dance studio in Charlotte. And guys, I'm telling you, this is hard for me to admit. I'm telling you. So I found this dance studio in Charlotte. And we showed up the first day, with, wrote a check. I could not believe how much it cost for dance lessons. For, for ballroom dance lessons, I, although I kind of like hip-hop. I think it's kind of fun. But I don't know how to do it, but I, I just think it's, it looks kind of neat. But anyway, so, but, but I knew that we needed to learn ballroom dancing lessons. So I give her the check that I'm like, oh, my gosh, it costs this much. For, and I went ahead and gave her my man card at the same time <laughs> so she could have that. So, so anyway, Christian uh, and I started practicing. We had an instructor turn the music on. Turn the music on and we're, we're clunky and, you know, I'm, I'm stepping on her toes and she's stepping on mine and we're just kind of giggling and laughing going, we feel so stupid, you know, and, and there were people that were watching this and I'm like, nothing to look at over here, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, and, and we just, oh my gosh, it was just so flimsy and so clumsy and so your head's down the whole time, you're watching your feet, you feel like you have two left feet. And then... After a few weeks, as we, you know, we were trying to practice at it and get better at it and get better at it, we just started noticing, hey, now we're starting to move. Now we're starting to figure this thing out. And I'm not really looking down at my feet anymore. I'm starting to look at her. And I'm starting to notice that we're holding each other and our backs are straight and we're confident. And what's moving us is the music and we're working in sync, and we're moving in rhythm together. And then it was so much fun because then we started twirling each other around and spinning each other, and we were just having a ball. And here's what I learned about marriage from my dancing experience. Sometimes somebody's got to lead, somebody's got to follow. Sometimes you got to be willing to step on each other's feet, at least initially, to go, okay, let's, let's, let's figure out this rhythm and let's figure out how to work together because there's music and there's rhythm happening. We're just not moving together in it. And that's what I see a lot of marriages look like. If you've ever seen people try to dance who don't know how, it's frustrating because you're looking at them going, golly, stop. Y'all ain't even moving together, Right? But when you watch two people moving together, it's beautiful because they're in sync and they're in a rhythm. Great marriages, y'all, are willing to step out of their comfort zone and do whatever it takes to be able to move in rhythm and in sync together. And sometimes you got to pay a little money and sometimes you got to do things you would never thought you would do. 
but it teaches you these valuable lessons of when we play as a team, we'll win. You're going to be buying houses together. You're going to be making people together. You're going to be adopting people together. You're going to make probably average American income to uh, $73,000. You make that over 50 years, over, I guess, what, $3 million? You're going to be making a lot of decisions in life together. And you will win when you play as a team. So I don't know about you. I don't know if it's in the area of support. And that's what your marriage needs. I don't know what's in the area of just your physical presence and affection and seeing each other again and recognizing we are the solution to each other physically. We are the solution. And third, how are you protecting this person that you claim you're either going to get married to or you are married to? It'll change your relationship when you become a fan publicly, because it will create intimacy privately. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for my friends that are watching online and in the room. Jesus, you are the reason why marriage works. And I pray that you would help us all recognize the things that we need to do to find better rhythm in our marriage relationship. And maybe it's more support, maybe it's more physical presence, maybe it's more protection. But God, we're all struggling with something. There are no perfect marriages in this room. Help us to take that next step and experience what you have for us in the direction of Jesus. Amen.